Welcome to Rector's Cupboard, a podcast for people who are interested in questions of culture and faith. We ask these questions from outside the institutional structures of religion. We're glad that you're listening and hope that you enjoy and benefit from the conversation. We're here. It's, it's morning. We don't have a tasting. But we gathered, <laughs> the four of us. Um, Allison is here. Yes, Amanda's I am. here. I cupboard am. Master Ken is here, but not me. opening the cupboard. I, I'm yeah. not. It the feels a little weird. The cupboard is remaining closed. A little too for, early. For today. Yeah. And uh, today, for our interview for this episode, we're interviewing someone about um, what it means to grow up in the evangelical church with particular ideas around things like, oh, heaven and hell and damnation and. Uh, and how these things kind of sharing your faith affect you sharing your faith witnessing mm-hmm. and and like if you don't witness then your friend might die and it, or like go to hell and it might be your fault because you didn't witness to them that kind of idea i mean that's putting it kind of harshly but um, no, you're still saying to so introduce that well blood on yeah, your hands but yeah, you still exactly. um so to introduce that there's a really interesting article Ken, that you sent along to the rest of us and that I thought was just fantastic. Kind of making the rounds. Is the, it's the article. It's an article, one of those that comes up every couple of years. It's hard to know. Yeah, like I I've saw seen it before. I saw that in 2016. Like, oh. I saw mm-hmm. it. And it's about particularly the English language and how we obey rules that we didn't know that we learned. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you that rough, like the tougher example off the top. It's the beginning of the article. Uh, the author says that in terms of where we place adjectives in our how we speak and write, it always has the same order. It goes opinion, size, age, shape, color, origin, material, purpose, and then the noun. So he gives an example. You could have lovely little old rectangular green French silver whittling knife. But if you change the order of any of those words... Here, let me try. He said, you sound like a maniac. You did. <laughs> so we've got a rectangular, old, French, green, right. lovely, whittling. See, Allison's Allison name. does sound like a maniac. Yeah, I, I suppose this is oh, confirmation. She's out of control. It's confirmation of what everyone suspected. Well, we also say like grumpy old men. We don't say old, old grumpy, grumpy men. men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or little old ladies. Uh, that sort of thing. It's just, And it, it is interesting that just it, but there, we do it, it would have been possible to learn that. Like I remember, I certainly don't remember a grammatical grade, lesson with grade nine me English yeah. with this nope. list. And it was hard <laughs> enough to remember what a noun was and an adjective was. Never mind this really obscure rule. Yeah, that's the thing. Even in that first example, so give some easier examples of similar rules. One is how things sound. That when we have words that that have similar sounding but but quite different somewhere in there, um, they have an order and they and the sound goes I a. O in terms of how the vowels work. So you have, for example, um, ding dong, king kong, tick tock. Well done. Flip flop. Oh, sorry. I'm supposed to. It's your turn, Allison. <laughs> Wasn't there shilly shally in there? There was. <laughs> there like, was. Oh. Itty bitty. Zigzag. Mm. So, but you do not have. Uh, it's harder to do. It, it is. Dong uh, ding. Flop flip. Flop flip. Dong ding. Talk tick. Yes. Talk tick. <laughs> I Cross totally Chris. Think about that. Cross Chris. <laughs> Tic-tac-toe-tic-tac. It's tic-tac-toe. And then uh, in terms of, uh, like, he's got a a picture in this article of the old, you know, the the story of the big bad wolf. So you have big bad wolf. Right. But you don't have. A bad big wolf? 
a bad big wolf. <laughs> right. But you, you do could, have a little red riding hood. Little red riding hood. Red which follows the rules. Hood. Yeah, the big bad wolf. It, it obeys one rule, but not the other. Right. So there's a, there's a contradiction in the big bad wolf there. It should be, according to the adjective rule, bad big wolf. Because it's opinion first. Oh, but that's why that's because your Because right. of the vowel rule, one of I first, big comes before bad. Because the English language wasn't already hard. Oh, that yeah, is, no, that's I, what I, he I says. Seriously. Wow. I, I've, I've become heightened, like a heightened awareness to this as trying, like trying to teach my children to read and spell and like even just speak in, in a way that sounds grammatically correct. <laughs> and they're like, but why mommy? And I'm like, I don't know. Because I'm sorry. Just because you'll learn. You just know. Well, and he says that it's astonishing how expert you are at the English language when you haven't necessarily been taught. Mm-hmm. And as we said at the beginning, how many rules we follow without having explicitly like learned the rule. We've, we've picked something up somewhere. So in terms of what we're going to talk about in this episode, um, I had that idea around uh, faith, religion, church. What do you just learn? What do you have to pick up? Is like is is hell the concept of eternal damnation something that well everybody will just learn that if we just let or does that have to be taught mm. um i think that has to be i think taught. It, i mean i experienced it as taught and then i was kind of just given like this concept and then a lot of free reign to just be terrorized by what that actually implied <laughs> yeah. like there there's kind of this concept that was at least presented to me but it was always like this but if you do this, then then you'll be fine. Or if you do this, then your friends will be fine. And and I feel like children are generally quite imaginative. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we should totally give children this concept of eternal damnation and torture and punishment <laughs> and then let their imaginations right. roam free with that. Really? So That's they'll go to school and go, I wonder what's going to happen to yeah. so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, I don't think they've prayed to Jesus, so I guess... I remember for myself, like, I... Every t- every opportunity that there was like a rededication kind of thing presented, like an alt call, every single one I, I did because I was like, well, just in case, just in case, just in case, because I was so scared that it hadn't really taken the last yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody put your head down. And then oh, the hands are always raised. Head down. <laughs> put your hands up. Yep. Yep. No one peek. Yeah, it's it's. I think that's why I'm kind of playing with these ideas is... I think there's a bleak view of humanity that that basically says like people are horrible and terrible and and you know we have to kind of you know like the well that needs to be remedied yeah like you can't trust anything I, and they have to be kind of fixed and and this this kind of is teaching us this is a little thing with the language is teaching us you know people left to themselves to some degree will learn things that they they need to know yeah and I think. I think part of that is when you look at children, uh, there was a study out uh, recently, I can't remember the details of it, but they were looking at kindergarten kids and younger, and they don't have that negative view of humanity. There's way mm. more Unless it's of their sibling. And, well, yeah, sibling's different. <laughs> but on the playground, the, the, the racism and stuff isn't there. It's taught. Has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when it comes to God and the transcendent, in my experience anyways, a lot of young children have some sort of awareness concept that there is something beyond what is able to be seen and felt, like the, the real tangible. And then what ends but up happening... But they have to be taught fear. But they're taught fear and they're taught the rules around that uh, non-concrete thing, this, this, mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. Um, this thing that's bigger than them, that's transcendent. They're taught all the rules around it, but there's something instinctual within them 
uh, within, and it's, it's, I've read some stuff that says it's not just within the North American or Christian concept. It's, it's everywhere. The concept that there's some kind of benevolent transcendent. That there's something whatever. beyond what I can but it touch is, but and But that see is and benevolent. Feel. That is not. Probably, uh, yeah. Did, so, okay, last thing before. What about in church, faith? Are there unwritten rules that people just pick up? I mean, because you could have this in, in athletics. You can have this in education. Mm-hmm. You can have this in various professions. You just pick certain things up. And, and whether it's church or somewhere else, have you been in a place where <laughs> you realize, oh, that person doesn't know you don't do this or this is the way this is done? I mean, I grew up in the Anglican Church, so yes. I mean, so <laughs> you much. Had a lot more if you grew rules up in, around things. Yeah, if you grew up in the Catholic or Anglican Church, just Ooh. the way in which you enter the building, if for Catholics you genuflect. I mean, it's sort of taught to you, though you're not necessarily know you don't necessarily know why, and it's taught to you at so young an age. You don't actually remember learning it. You don't go behind the altar, um, the the way you do the sign of the cross. So these things are taught to you, just like English is taught to you. But you're not actually taught that specific grammar rule, but you are taught the language. Every Same church with also the church. has like their own their way of doing culture. their culture, even yeah. around communion. So if you're visiting a oh, church, yeah. oh yeah, when you go, do I take it now? Do I? Oh yeah, at what point? Shit, I had it too soon. <laughs> 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 Is it truly consecrated? Do I have to get up? Get what, what's everybody else you doing? You eat the bread, and then the pastor's like, "Now take the call now." Oh yeah. yes. Do I spread right, it back in my example. hand? Well, it's like um. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You had something else. No, about that. no, no. Just that was it. The, just communion. You, you can kind of picture it a little stronger in like the outside of church too. The thing, like you don't go in an elevator and face the back of the elevator, right? Right. And, but it's also fun in church or in not necessarily in the elevator, but in some of these places, certainly in church. And you certainly just like for messing like with me, people talk. to kind of bring awareness to that by breaking those. Mm-hmm. Unwritten things. Right? Well, yeah. maybe that's more of a I thing. Say, <laughs> oh, that, really? that might be a personality thing more than than I was, other. I was thinking in the men's washroom, the urinal rule. Whoa! You oh. don't stand beside if if there's open spots. Oh, totally. You don't stand beside the one. I just person feel like half of this table doesn't participate yeah, in this I, one. I would say I I haven't had an opportunity nor desire to use a urinal. No, I just say, but I said in a men's washroom. That's another example. If like you are lying, if you're there and the guy and there's six urinals and the guy coming in comes no, in and stands beside you, you're I like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what is, oh, that's table? Yeah, that's the, that's where, I just broke another rule. So yeah. Oh, so no, it's, uh, but that one was written. So thank you very much. This has been fascinating conversation and uh, I'm sure that everybody listening can think of their own things that are like, <laughs> oh, that's right. We did it this way and it was just the way that it was mm-hmm. done. Um, but in terms of some of the more troubling things, like some of the things that, that we'll talk about with our guest, um, what it means to pick up ideas of the world and God and eternity that can have some positive or detrimental impact. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, okay. guys. So we're pleased on Rector's Cupboard to have conversations with people, you know, far afield and all over the place and experts on this and that and the other thing. Um, but as we talk about uh, things like hope and recovering from religious trauma, and uh, many of the topics that we address, we're mindful that sometimes the best stories, those that can inform you the most and have the most effect on you, come from places closest to you, your own situation, of course, your own family, um, and some of the things that help you to unpack the things that you've lived through. So we're pleased today to welcome for our conversation Heidi Groot. 
Heidi happens to be my sister-in-law. I'm married to her older <laughs> sister. And Heidi's here today to talk about it, uh, talk with us about, well, a whole bunch of things. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. But um, uh, certainly what it means to grow up in evangelical circles and what it also might mean if you don't quite fit in those circles and all kinds of things. Um, Heidi, your life now is up in Whistler, Correct. BC, and three kids, ages... 11, 15, and 17. And uh, and then you guys are business owners up there running a bunch of stuff. So you've had to run a business during COVID. Oh, yes. It's been a challenge. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. here we are in February 2022, and everything's getting better now. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Thanks for having it's me. It's great to have you here yes. and to be talking to a family member and knowing that there's, you know, much to talk about. Yeah. So. I want to reiterate what Todd said. Welcome, Heidi. We're really happy uh, to have you here, to have you talking with us, that you're willing to come and, and tell us a bit of your story. Could you tell us a little bit? I mean, we know some of your childhood, but... Uh, our, I know our, more. <laughs> but our listeners don't <laughs> necessarily. Maybe some of them do. Um, but tell us a little bit ab about yourself. I, uh, I'm from a family of five. I have two sisters, um, Born in Nova Scotia, and the Maritimes a really special place. My heart will always remain there. You were born there, there too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, we moved, uh, not as much as a military fam family, but we did move a bit from pro from Nova Scotia to Calgary, back to Nova Scotia to Vancouver. So my two sisters, who are all um, very, very close in age, were also very, very close in each other's best friends I think yep. we we were tight mm -hmm. growing up because you start in a new place uh just with each other so mm -hmm. it's yeah so the moving around made our family really close and I have wonderful memories of and then so time together you, at some point in your upbringing you become a church family or was that? Uh, yeah, when I was never that? remember a time oh, where we weren't oh, okay. no I think my parents um uh, became Christians when I was a baby, or right around maybe when Jenny was born, when we were very young, and um, so I I don't have any memories of life. Oh, okay. Before <laughs> life before yes, the evangelical church. Do you, Do you remember some religious scenes? Like I've seen pictures, like you know, being married to Jen, I've seen pictures in family albums of like you know little Jenny praying on her on oh, her knees yes, you know what yes, I mean yes <laughs> we most of what? our yes yeah. yes there's, there's an actual picture of that yeah okay. there's probably a lot of pictures like that most of our childhood uh, our free time was spent playing outside together but most of our family time um, revolved around the church and learning so we would have um, devotions every night after dinner um Quizzes, challenges to memorize Bible verses, our summers and our spring breaks and Christmases were DVBS um, or some type of scheduled church it's event. It's amazing okay. that, that you know the term DVBS. Yeah. Oh, oh, the acronym, yes. The yes. Daily Vacation, Vacation Bible, Bible School. School. Yes, <laughs> yes. Sorry for those who don't know what right. that means, yeah. Are we it's sorry just, for those who don't know no. that? I feel like maybe we shouldn't I, I, be. <laughs> I feel like it was probably, yeah, um, better for people not to know what that means. But it, it, um, it, not all of it was bad. Lots of creativity. We, we sang a lot. We were in the church choir. We did a lot of wow. um, mm -hmm. 
uh, performances at the church and plays. My mom was the star of one. Um, I can, I still catch myself singing the songs, even though the words bug me, the lyrics. Oh, it's just, it's it's just stuck in there? I'll be puttering around and I'll just start humming and singing. You're... You're really young at this point. You're elementary school age. Oh, yeah. We were, yeah. We were, so this is all Nova Scotia. So before we moved, um, well, we were in Calgary from the time I was five, four or five. And I think we were just there three years and then back to Nova Scotia. But um, we do have uh, less of a church community in Calgary because we weren't there as long. But this was all within, I mean, obviously knowing your fact, this was all within, I'm assuming, the Plymouth Brethren. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. yes, yeah. Women wore veils and... So this uh, wasn't just like your typical kind of evangelical maybe setting, like just to kind of set the scene for some of our listeners. That there was There was a little bit more that was kind of expected and required from you yeah. as as a member of that kind of congregation. Yeah. Yep. Um, kids definitely were to be seen and not heard and um, indoctrinated um, sitting through the breaking of bread service wow. in the morning. Oh, so sorry, it is know. it is still to date when I, when my kids complain about sitting through something fun. <laughs> You're I'm like, like, dude, oh, no don't idea. even let me tell you about, yeah. So do you know how, how your parents got initially involved with this? Because you said they became Christians when... Yeah, they were adults. They were not young. I yeah. believe they, uh, sometime around... Uh, when they were newly wet or shortly after they were married, I believe my dad, I can't remember. I'm sure we've talked about it at some point, but my dad, um, but he wasn't like a teenager. No, he was a young man. No, no. My dad was a farmer. And Um, it wasn't his family that pushed him into this. No, no. His family actually were, um, not that religious. No. And, and not super, um, I think they, they noticed it. It wasn't for them, but they were always very respectful. And every now and then my cousins would tease us, but we had that relationship where uh, we could laugh okay. and stuff. But uh, I do, um, yeah, I do, I do think my dad um, became involved in the church first okay. and then brought my mom in. Um, and all I remember as a kid is... Um, well, that was your entire context. Is, yeah, there was nothing yeah. different. But if you look at, if you look at, where this comes from in terms of how you were raised, um, then your parents, I would imagine in some ways your dad particularly, is hearing from the pulpit, from other le- from leaders in the church and stuff, what a from, family is supposed to be, from what children men. are supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and it was all white men at that. Yeah. Like, only men were allowed yeah. to be in leadership. Yeah. And so then he, you know, he's kind of, directing and your parents are directing you and this is what's supposed to happen yeah so it's coming from somewhere this kind of prescribed way things are supposed to be now it all i shouldn't say it all goes south at at (laughs) such and such a time (laughs) Um, because i look and i you know you know in, in our kind of through the years it's such a gift when something blows up a system right it when something just is like so that was you. That's nice. No one's ever put it in such a no, nice but it's way. Such a, a can gift. you imagine <laughs> if they still thought that way? I hope that if right? they had or didn't have me, that they would still have evolved. Something else would have happened. I, there I would li- have been I another think... catalyst or explosion. But you were but the explosion. I was <laughs> saying, in your particular familial <laughs> so context. Tell us about that. When yeah. did that start? Uh, I just remember being very obedient, um, very. Uh, fearful of 
making mistakes, very anxious, um, uh, having a lot of questions and always being told uh, what the answers were without really an answer to the question, like questions about science or questions about when I was older, sexuality or yeah, questions. The, an- the answer is how not to ask the question. Yeah, it's like <laughs> don't ask questions. Yeah, don't ask questions. We were we were always given the the biblical prescriptive answer, but I just never. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I felt like I went through the motions. Um, I tried my hardest, and I just never. F- uh, I I couldn't kill the curiosity. But this is at me. some like, point your. It's also your your childhood development, your psychological yeah. development, your emotional development, your spiritual development. Whatever that you hit a point where something is going on that you're like, you're not just buying the program. I I think I went along with it till I was a teenager, and um, actually I know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there were different rules in our home for each of the children based, I'm assuming, on um, Dr. Dobson uh, cringe, yeah. um, uh, his his uh, beliefs in birth order and, Your middle child. and controlling. And yes, I'm the middle child. So I, I started noticing, I think, when we moved to Vancouver, I was a really good kid, scared to disobey, scared to... Um, be out of line, did my best, um, didn't always succeed, but I always did my best. I was a pretty good kid and pretty shy, a little anxious. And I, um, started noticing things like my younger sister being permitted to go to the school sock hop in grade six. She was in grade six. I was in grade seven, but I wasn't allowed to go to the same event. Well, like, do you know why? From, from, I'm not saying from the system. I'm assuming it's because I'm the middle kid and they were concerned I was going to be rebellious. Um, I wasn't rebellious at this point. At this point, I was still mm. um, pretty innocent and submissive. And But I remember mm. starting to feel angry when my two sisters were able to do things um, I wasn't able to do, and knowing that my younger sister was doing some of the things my parents assumed We're I was afraid, doing, yeah. right. but I was not. Right. It wasn't me, <laughs> <laughs> and and that really, uh, I think that was probably the trigger. Um, I just so started here, feeling um, there's a, trapped. You, you obviously know Jay Z, uh, of course. So his love book Jay-Z. from years ago. I've got uh, it. I think of this often. He talks about um, being a black young guy um, going into a store in New York or whatever and the security would just start following you yes because you're just a black young man yes and so then he you know and I remember this in his book and then he said so eventually I just took something yes Yes. Well, it ends up becoming so a bit a of a self-fulfilling kind of prophecy. It's exactly. Okay. It's, now, I won't say it's exactly the same because I never experienced the racial that, discrimination exactly. that but he clearly no, did. But the type, the but kind of, the, yeah. But mm-hmm. the, um, I was making good decisions. It was a new, you know, we moved from the East Coast to West Coast, hard transition, very different cultures, ways of life. My mm-hmm. younger sister fit in. Yeah. yeah. Both my sisters fit in far more than I did. I, mm. I was in a class with a group of mean girls, and I was, it was hard, so I found I was really trying to make friends and fit in and watching my two sisters do so, um, but I wasn't being allowed to attend the things that you go to build the friendships. Yeah. Yeah. Social, the social yeah, the social yeah. events, unless yeah. it was youth group, but none of my social events, they were all um, church-related, so I had these sort of two lives, and I never really... I, 
going to church was easy. I knew exactly how to mm. behave. Yeah. I hated it, but, mm. but I, you understood it. I understood it and I knew, uh, I knew the rules and how to manipulate them if I needed to. And I did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, going to school was harder because kids can be really mean in, in order to make friends and build mm. relationships. You have to be at the party to talk about it Monday in class. Remember when so-and-so did the worm or, you know, I was always uh. the kid that, didn't know what they were talking about. Uh. So it just made it hard. Um, and so I started feeling trapped and angry. And some of the social stuff wasn't, I'm not blaming on my parents. I'm not blaming on the yeah. church. No, it's some of it is just like yeah, yeah. school yeah. kids yeah. are really mean and stuff like that. But I, I felt, uh, uh, you know, a couple of years of that, I was in high school, you know, my first year of high school. And I started the same things kept happening. Wasn't allowed to listen to pop music. Wasn't oh, so you weren't allowed like so-called secular music? No, no. Or... Secular was a bad word. That's why my um, yeah. Twitter bio says secular and proud. Um, I, I, um, Still. sorry, proudly secular. Yeah. Um, uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't connected to pop culture, to the yeah. scene, to the young adult scene, unless it was through church. So I really struggled. I remember going to see my older sister, Jenny, at lunch when I was feeling lonely. And she was so... Was this in like high school or yes, something? Yes, I'd show up and I wouldn't have to tell her I was sad or lonely. She'd, She'd just, just say, Heidi, and she'd make, make space for me next to her. And we'd eat our lunches together. And she'd introduce me to all her friends who were from church, some of them, and they were yeah. lovely. And so I always had my sisters. Um, and that was sort of my safety. Mm. Um, mm. but I really remember just everyone assuming <coughs> I'm the rebellious middle child when I wasn't. And it was actually another sister who was yeah. far more rebellious. Sorry, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be fine. Yes, we're outing you out a few yeah. decades oh, late yeah. here. Oh. Um, I, I, I had had enough and I think I, I had you mentioned earlier, I remember standing in a group of people, uh, you know, on school grounds on a weekend kind of thing. And they were smoke, they were smoking pot and I wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, it wasn't for me. Um, but I remember, you know, saying no, no, no for each time it came around, you know, over the months and years and I was one of the only people that and it, it wasn't hard for me to say no I just wasn't yeah. interested mm -hmm. but I did get to a point sort of relating back to the Jay-Z story where I I said you know what guys give me that yeah. um, mm. this is the only power I have over my life and I hated the result it was not fun it wasn't a fun experience but I felt so free in that Some moment kind of agency I yeah. felt I felt like it was yeah yeah there's another thing as as that as those kinds of processes are happening you're also meeting people who share similar and obviously lots of differences as well stories so you you wind up meeting the so-called bad kids or something yep. and you realize they're not bad no, no. Yeah. These are these are some of the best people I've ever met. Nobody's all bad but, or. But they all, can't yeah. shake that label, and they can't. So then, yes. and those are people that your church culture, or whatever, said those are the stay bad, away from them. You know, you're you're yeah. gonna have bad friends yep. or something yep. like that. And yep. so then you now so back to church. Is there a point at which then you do realize that you might be identified as one of those? Mm. Oh, I think I, I, I all, uh, except for my early, like primary years, I always remember feeling, um, 
feeling. And it's possible. I was uh, unfairly uh, assuming, but I always felt like the old man in church was giving me the stink eye or the, Mm. you know, like just, I just never, I just assumed I was always being judged. And I think it's a safe assumption. Probably. I was just saying, (laughs) I I think based on the community that we went to, it was, there was, there was a lot of, um, yeah, just uh, cold shoulder. Sometimes scowls. it's even compassionate. It's like, oh, it's so nice to see you, but it still can be. That's equally uh, right. It doesn't seem genuine. Maybe you're getting better now because oh, you're here. Oh, how or are you? Are so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Did you? Can you remember <laughs> any particular interaction? Like, are there any that like? I I did my best to make friends um, and get through the services. Being. Um, uh, attention challenged. Mm-hmm. It was really, really hard. So, you know, I timed how many times I go to the bathroom and hide a comic book and the, and, and those things <laughs> in the hymnal or, or, you know, when you're 13 with your sisters and you read the song of Psalms, cause it's the only thing. Yes. You're like, what's the most scandalous Jennifer part of the Bible? His breasts are <laughs> like, yes. Her breasts are like towers or pillars <laughs> or those are the things I think that was my younger sister and I, but we found ways to, Not uh, <laughs> to, to sit through. It was hard. Uh, and I'm pretty sure people noticed and we were always kind of looked down, uh, on, I, I don't, I just remember always knowing that it was my place, um, as a female, what my responsibilities were and how to show mm. the men around mm. me respect, um, oh. how to dress, how to, you know, that my body is my responsibility. And it's also the reason for their lust. And it's those it's kinds your responsibility of, to well, protect their... Yes, yes. to yeah. protect them from their own bad behavior. Meanwhile, I'm like getting in trouble for reading Song of Solomon or an yeah. Archie comic. Um, it always seemed like such crap <laughs> to me. Uh, <laughs> just And my, my oldest son is just like me. He pokes holes in everything. He sees hypocrisy hmm. instantly and bless his heart. I love him so much for it. Um, and he, like me, is learning how and when to pick his battles and when mm. to let some things go. Um, but he's learning, he's learning that at a younger age. So, right. And there's and to say, within, within the, I would anticipate, within kind of the family structure that, that you have created, um, I would think in some ways, possibly like in, in response to or reaction to what you experienced, he has a place to have a bit more agency in that than you did when you were that Absolutely. age. Absolutely. Oh, our family motto is you're free to be you. Right. Glorious mm. Steinem. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, and I bought my Gloria kids. Gloria Steinem, James Dobson. <laughs> I'm leaning Steinem. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, no, my kids definitely, from the time they could talk, I always said who you are is perfect and it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. who I think you are. You always tell me if you make mistakes and where it's, it's, okay to to be imperfect and it's okay to think differently than me my my middle son is I noticed the most he's my Jenny he's my pleaser he's Mm. sweet he wants to make us happy and he'll sometimes come to me and say who do we support Justin Trudeau or and I'm like I know who I support darling I don't make that decision for you but I want you to so you know we go through all the what is orange what is green what is and we go through it and I'm like I want you to pick um and meanwhile, I'm holding my breath and crossing yeah, my exactly. fingers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can, I can imagine 
with with the assumptions that I have about kind of the religious setting that your family would have been in when you were a teenager, that 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 would have been difficult for them, like as a family with you not kind of fitting into what the, you know, church cultural expectations were. I'm not sure how they experienced me, honestly. Um, there was a lot of love. I, I'm making yeah. it sound like our, our my child. It, it was, there was mostly a, love. <laughs> I, I was yeah. told by my mom and my dad all day, every day, how much they love me. And my sisters, yeah. we, there was a lot of love. Um, so I never noticed a change in that. Um uh, I think my older sister probably had a, she always had a lot of compassion um, and kind of looked out for me. And my younger sister was fiercely independent and I admired that so much. I was probably looking back a little bit jealous because mm. she was younger than me, only a year younger and succeeding and so fiercely independent and flew under the radar and my parents, you know, weren't focused on her. And I always, I remember asking her, it's so unfair. Like you're allowed to do this. And then she's like, Heidi, stop telling yeah. them what you're doing. Like, <laughs> stop being There's a way so we, you honest. Can do this better. She just laughed at me. She was like, idiot. <laughs> like you're too genuine. And I'm like, I, and, and I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, you're right. But I, after that conversation, I remember choosing consciously. No, no, I'm not going to stop because uh, I have a bit of a, maybe a little bit of a fighter in me and hmm. I, I wanted to be who I was and have it accepted. I didn't want to pretend. Um, and that's, I remember writing a parent, a letter to my parents, uh, in high school, but I just remember the theme of it was, I want to be me and I feel like I have to be who you want me to be and say the things and memorize the Bible and behave and make the same decisions and have the same mm -hmm. views mm -hmm. and this pressure to go to school and be a witness uh, uh, or my <laughs> friends are going to burn in hell and all those things like that. That caused a lot of mental health issues. I, I took that literally for a long time yeah. when I was very young. Like <laughs> we, used to <laughs> we used to go to sleep listening to a ta tape called The Two Buckets. Uh, it was about a family whose father told his son to go to school and be a witness. Uh, and if anybody dies before they oh, know they Jesus, me. they oh. go to hell. And the boy was embarrassed. Uh, and there's a scene where the boy, yeah, the boy oh. goes to school and his friends ask him about youth group and he lacks the courage to invite them uh, and just blows it off like I did, like most of us did. We, 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 we don't really want to be forthcoming about that mm. kind of stuff at school because it doesn't help you socially. <laughs> um, and so the tape ends with you hear the sound of sirens. You're not serious. They're oh sirens. And I'm, then I'm and concerned then the about house this. burned down and everyone died. And this kid and the stories about this kid's guilt and how he and those <laughs> I mean I really want to say my parents saw. I know because you can, no, you can they imagine were your, doing, your I can parents understand hearing that, that they, now. They would be horrified. Yeah. My yes. dad and I have talked about this recently, the two buckets, and he's okay. horrified, like horrified. But he's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But no. he does remember, yes. That I, yeah, I can I can be a bit like sympathetic with that. There was a lot of things that were presented to me in my childhood that I think my parents would struggle with now. Yeah. Um, and But a lot of them, they, they were like, well, this is what is being either resources that are being given to us by the church or 
things that are being advocated from from the community it's from the pulpit it, this from is the a pulpit. theological but it's a closed yeah. loop information yeah system. but i look back so i think you two guys and obviously jen jen and i were talking about this just a couple of days ago in preparation for this episode because jen was the she did everything perfectly she always she didn't cause the, awesome decisions but she has told me that part of the motivation for doing everything perfectly was the fear and I had no so idea. it is it is the other way of responding, yeah. and so so I would but say. But she to probably her, felt the same way I did. Just totally, in I, I'll say to her now. So you were told internally Jen, the same, as externally a child, different. Like I asked her this: I said, you were told as a child that if you didn't believe in Jesus, you would go to be tortured forever. And there was talk about like, gnashing yes. of teeth, and, and and I'm like, no water. And <laughs> can we not admit that that's abusive? Like. I I'm not saying your yeah. parents, but the theological system that gets yeah. people to do that. No, I mean, I don't. I, I, How could you terrorize a child? I'm not saying, I'm more not than calling that. my parents abusive, of but, course I, not. No, no, but no, I am calling I. the system abusive. The sy- that's what I mean. Yeah. Well, do you remember the movie A Thief in the Night? Yeah, of course. My friend, my friend Luke Peterson up in Whistler, who grew up in the same community, we we burst into song at barbecues, and every now and then he'll send me a picture of a razor buzzing on a counter alone. Uh, it's a scene from the movie when the rapture happens and oh, a woman wow. wakes up alone. Her husband's gone. The news is saying people have disappeared. There's cars crash. She goes in to look for her husband. His electric razor is buzzing on the counter. And he's, he's gone. Been raptured. These are the things that we watched. And we were young. And Yeah, that's the kind of like haunts me still. Like Luke, my friend, will say the rapture or thief in the night. And I'm like, oh like just the, scary, scary stuff. But I and I do think, first of all, in terms of Christian theology, what a in historically what a small slice this is, especially the rapture. The rapture yeah. is a concept it's that so didn't come novel. around until the late eighteen hundreds, yeah. and it's you know, but it g- gained currency in evangelical circles yeah. and even well, ideas of hell and you know. And that hasn't actually mitigated the damage. The fact that it's. It's so new. No, so many people like you like, grew up thinking oh, like, yeah. this is what Christianity means. Well, I used to cry myself to sleep thinking that, aha, the band I liked at the time, because they're secular and they were singing, take yes, on. yes, really, really <laughs> offensive lyrics, take me on, take on me. Uh, but I remember literally crying myself to sleep thinking, I love this band. I love Morton Harkett. It's <laughs> amazing you even know that And name. of course I do. <laughs> Powell and Wags were the other two bandmates. But I just remember thinking they're going to go to hell and they're such good people. I, they seem like such good people and I don't have, I can't do anything about it. Kind of. I just remember always being scared for people yeah. and scared for decisions. Even though I didn't like what I was being told to think and do, I did most of it until I was a teenager. Well, you have people in authority telling you this. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't really have any power over that. But I just, yeah, the so, anxiety it caused was significant. So where did that shift happen for you then, Heidi? Like, I, I imagine that there was probably a level to which there was either an expectation or, you know, an encouragement to, to be involved I, with this community while you were at home but then you move out young. I would say I moved out as soon as I could not not because our home life wasn't happy I just course. wanted yeah to figure out who I was well I mean you've talked about eight. Were you there? I was probably 19 yeah um 
Uh, I, I, like I said, so I wrote a letter in high school about uh, me not having the freedom to, uh, not even access to information. There was no internet. We mm. had the encyclopedia. So if I wanted to look up anything about procreation or evolution or anything, Where I, you had going, to, the public I, library? Had to, I had to go to no, the library of Dobson in my basement. And oh, so, so I never, I just wanted access to information, knowledge, um, and was never able to get it in in that way and then I like I said I started making intentional choices to do things that were rebellious even if I didn't want to do them because it felt, felt so fun and nice to be free like I felt some, yeah. I, yeah. I had power over you myself. actually had some agency uh, in that yeah just it's it's a really so so that harsh control of trying to keep me from being rebellious is actually <laughs> what made me rebellious so I started that. you know yeah. like you know, I'd hitchhike, and uh, the pastor picked me up oh, one yeah. day, hitchhiking home from school. <laughs> Gulp. My stomach was in my throat. I was so embarrassed and horrified, and and he dropped me off, and my parents tease me about it now, but at the time, we didn't really talk yes, about it. It was just... It represents kind of a fearful thing to you. Yes. Yeah. And it's all because of this theological religious yeah. system that puts all these expectations on people. To me, one of the most interesting things about your story is not that there was like this difficult harsh mean family it's what bad theology does to loving families yes yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah and like, the damage it does um i think if i'm i'm lucky our family has enough love for each other and respect that we uh are closer than ever but i think much. a lot of a lot of people I know uh, walk away from their families and do the obligatory Christmas mm -hmm. and don't don't want to be close and well, share their but lives. But also, your your family has moved past that. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to a family thing now, and they're still stuck. Uh, in actually, that that's true. And if it was like that, uh, I might be. You might be more of the Christmas yep, type yep, of obligatory <laughs> Christmas one of the more only. Difficult yeah. questions, and I know we're both. You know, we know your dad well and love him and think he's one of the most fantastic people and it's true but one of the awesome. one of the difficult things is like and i'll maybe read a clip from the book later you and i have shared some conversation over this willet braun character from oh, a miriam taves good book. old willet and this is in a mennonite context but she willet braun is a person but also a type the type of person in a religious culture a dominating religious culture that gets to tell everybody else what they should do how they should be like a how white man who loves dominates power the family so a person who comes in so if you picture a family like yours, it's a leader in that community, an elder or something, who yep. comes in and expresses disappointment. Your daughter is not following the rules or not. And, and applies and consequences. And negatives that can have. But we talked about Willet Braun once, and you brought up uh, an interesting thing. What is the agency of the loving parent? In other words, so I would say something like, you know, well, but that was the system. That was the theology. That Your dad was just trying to do right by you and, and I, do I agree with that that yes, he was except <laughs> except what uh, I, could could he have chosen differently? I, that would I, be, right? I think the comment that I made that you're hinting yeah. at here is that I said, but he still had a choice, um, and he made that choice, yeah, which is hard for our family. But that was the system we were in. the The man was the head of the house. I remember my mom disagreeing. Like my mom wanted to dance, yeah. we weren't allowed to dance, so we had to do what my dad. 
But she got with the program too. She, she, yeah, she did get with the program. So I think, and I don't, I want to, I want to clearly say my dad was doing what he was being, was best, and he was loving. He did it because he loved us and he thought he was doing what was best for us. There's no question. And he was loving every step of the way. There was no abuse. No, he didn't love power. He wasn't an alpha yeah, you know, an alpha <laughs> wolf. No, I, he wasn't, I can't imagine him He like wasn't that. an aggressive, tough... Yeah. I think Willet Braun seems more of like that alpha male, that toxic... Well, in the book, Willet Braun's just like an asshole. He's an like asshole. He's a, but the Ugh. question isn't... The, the, it is an interesting thing for all of us and for those of us, you, uh, know, you raising we kids. All, we all have choice, and I, I can't give anyone... Uh, I, I have no hard feelings towards anyone, but we all have a choice, and I typically don't give people... Um, a pass when they make an excuse. I'm like, no, no, you chose. Yeah. That's all. That's all. It's okay. Well, like we're past it. Well, and, you actually and I think are honoring you can, them more. By I was going to say, you can, you can hold those two things kind of in tension where I, I know for myself the intention personally. behind it is what matters. Well, and, and I know for, for myself, my, my mom and I have had some, some hard conversations where certain ways that I've identified um, my religious upbringing, things in our family that, that I found harmful, that I found hurtful, things that still evoke um, large emotional responses for me. And she, she's very apologetic about it. And, and I can... I can go, I, I, I love you. I know you did it out of love. There, there were decisions that were made in that. Um, and so I think it, like you said, Todd, it, it's, it's honoring to go like, you don't always make the best decisions. We, and all, we all make mistakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to say, you know, I had no agency in that. He did, and, he did. and people do. And, 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 yeah. and I think that the point I'm making is that every female in that uh, organization Every one of us was forced to believe and behave uh, in a way to make men behave well, to better, that to support their their yeah. love of. <laughs> I think there's a lot of um, ego and power, yeah. and love of power, well, and don't give the females don't, access don't to the education. Don't, don't give them because the more they know, the more educated you are. Uh, the less easy you are to control yeah. kind of and, thing. So that's, and I think that's very, very interesting. Like um, thinking about the men who, who don't naturally kind of fit into that type of personality. Um, like my dad. He yeah. Like, I mean, not, I, I, but he was I an elder know. and a deacon all my life. My dad was on church oh, boards. Totally. He, was he, he was, he was, but my dad was, uh, but he was never the asshole on the board, but he wasn't, I, yeah, he yeah. wasn't the asshole. He, he was, uh, offering his support. Um, but he was, okay. I'm going to go, but it's I'll hard give for me because he was thing. one of them. <laughs> he, he was absolutely held up because of how moral and great and wonderful and kind and not rock the boat. And then I ruined that. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, except then. I mean, you're, you're, you're ruining a really uh, messed up thing there, Heidi. It's like, okay. I'm comfortable and, with it. <laughs> like, there is also part where I go, these are all very, like, tentative sort of balances that, that you end up striking. Because if one person in your family that, that is making some decisions um, ends up, like, destroying the entire family's integrity within the community, I go, that felt pretty tenuous to begin with. Yeah. Like it, it yeah. feels like a system that requires so much maintenance 
to actually prop up this thing. And so much artificial yeah. uh, acting. It's like not you, just religious, you yell and scream no. all the way to church, you know, like you're driving, the kids are fighting, this and that. And yeah. I can't tell you how many times we would, when my kids were little, we went to a church for a few years. I'll explain why I went back when you asked. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. But, but just driving to church and saying fuck, <laughs> and then, you know, like, ah! And then, like, this therefore, is, the redeemed. And then we walk into church, and it's hugs and kisses and blessings, brother, and all this stuff. And I'm, it just, I'm, I leaned over in church one day and said, I can't listen to another sermon without wanting to say fuck. Yeah, and a lot of them. And I can't. I was just saying, you're not the only person who feels uh, like that. And my, uh, my wonderful husband said, "Could you keep those thoughts till we're in the car? Because that's where we curse, <laughs> something like that." And and so and so that's what we did. But um, but when you talk about that it's fake blowing up of the system it's not only religious of course it's any system that you derive your identity from this kind of worldview that this thing generates so culture use something like athletics i was just gonna say and they have a superstar coaches and and, and the jim jordan mom and dad are athletes whatever right yeah and then this child you know the second or third child comes along and has no No athletic ability no interest not coordinated they are either going to open up their worldview yeah or they're going to kind of try to mold and insist. and, and uh, But the trouble is when conform. you add God to the mix, then you It, it adds an entirely different layer, yeah. When well, then, then there's the guilt and the shame thing and the, the, the fear. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it just, yeah. You might burn forever. Is a, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a, I notice in political systems, sports, you, you see CEOs, you see a lot of, white men who even Bono bless his heart has said uh I can't remember the journalist or much about the interview except that someone said do you have a big ego are you egotistical and he said of course I do he's like look what I do for a living I go on stage and allow and Make to everyone some degree, worship I believe me. The ridiculous lie yes, that I'm, yes, yeah. yes. He said. He said. My ego needs this. He said. Uh, I so appreciated his honesty, and he uses his uh, his power for really good things. But most CEOs, pastors. Oh, totally. Sorry, Todd. Not not, <laughs> not, not you, but pe- but people in positions of power. That culture. That it's. I see threads that are almost well, exactly the same, minus the fear of hell. Yeah, um, you begin to kind of believe the bullshit that you're selling it's it's a power yeah. structure so i'm i'm interested heidi how you you talked about going back to church like when after you got married and stuff i'm interested in how you even ended up back there so that's, i that's always been interesting like wh- anyway, why although in some ways a part of because you came to like mexico on these trips and whatever but anyway that that actually taught todd was a huge part of it. Sorry. Um, oh, Todd. <laughs> it's all your fault, Todd. I blame you yeah. for everything I experienced yeah. in that church. Um, no, I'm just joking. Uh, I, I moved to Whistler, was tired of thinking about it. Honestly, just wanted to get away from church and not think about it, not think, what do I believe? And is hell and heaven real? And all. I just wanted... And became the shooter girl. And I, I moved to Whistler, got a job at a nightclub. Yeah, it wasn't like going to church each night. It, it wasn't was, like a small it group. It's a different type of church, <laughs> except I had power and I loved right. it. Yes. No, like it was somewhere, you know, small I was club. one of a few females in a town full of, of guys who, a lot of uh, 
people who uh, didn't want the nine to five grind mm-hmm. and just wanted, you know, loved to experience nature and ski culture. It was very different back then. A lot of ski bums and stuff. Yeah, but I just wanted corporate. a place where no one knew me and I was new and it didn't feel like that expect that structure society mm-hmm. and so I moved to Whistler um but I yeah and I spent about 10 years uh having a ton of fun um really embraced nature lots of hiking dogs just always I've always kind of been a an animal lover I just like to watch you know like I'm the nerd that watches birds when I have tea in the morning with my binoculars <laughs> people make fun of me I'm good with it um, but I wanted so I had that wonderful experience where I partied all night and observed nature and recovered and yeah. had a wonderful you know my backyard was yeah. a beautiful valley in the mountains so so I had that and then uh, I think my I was in a long-term relationship that came to an end and I did a really good job of never thinking about church. And my parents would always invite me to come back. Do you want to go to? Nope, nope, no, no thanks. <laughs> I can finally say no. no and that's yeah. what they said to me when I was a teenager. When you so they live still on your kind of have it in their minds though, like it would be better if she. They wasn't. they they did never pressured me. It was but just if, if you they guys were doing they didn't something. Pressure you, but the hope was there. That like you Jenny would. and Todd are having Easter dinner. Do you want to come to church with us? All before? your fault, Todd. Oh my goodness. <laughs> It's not your fault, Todd. It's okay. I think it is. It's okay. So. We can blame him if you want. So my relationship ended. I kind of was at a new, and I was tired of work. Uh, I had stopped working in nightclubs. I think I made it four or five years. Great money, a lot of misogyny, a lot of horrible things that happen. And really to be patient enough to deal with it without punching people would be to drink a tequila shooter. And that wasn't... Uh, I didn't want, mm. I'm like, if I can't go to work without having a drink to make me patient Something's enough up, to yeah, deal with these up. people, mm. I think it's, it's time probably, to quit. Yeah. Uh, and I resigned and started working at the vet clinic. Okay. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so then uh, I find myself newly single, just kind of at a new phase in my life where I don't <laughs> want nothing to do with bars. I, you know, my friends still wanted to go out and I'm like, eh. I've been there, done that. Just no thanks. Pretty over it. Um, And and then uh, a friend who was a bartender um, who grew up in the similar situation. Whenever we were out at night partying and whatnot, he would always say, "Heidi, my last my last name now is Group, but it was Finlayson. Heidi Finlayson." you know the truth. And I'm like, John Henry, you know the truth. And then we would tease each other. But one, it's stuff like that. It was always both of us trying to say, but you're here making the same choices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if we're going to hell, we're going to be in hell together. Yeah, Like it was, but we were both anxious too. We were both, yeah. So So still like, so then I went back to church and I'm like, you know what? I have been told my whole life by, every counselor, my parents, everyone that I'm rebellious and, uh, and that I'm difficult and that, um, and I'm going to explore it. And I actually, I, and I'm stuck with this lingering angst about if God's real, <laughs> is God real? And so is, you still have some sense of guilt he, and to- totally. I don't measure up. I spent 10 not- years drowning it uh, and right. then stopped drowning it. And there it is. I was hmm. really hoping it wouldn't be, but it was there. So I went back to church and I'm like, I'm going to, 
I'm going to, oh, and then I got a job working in a spa in the Chateau Whistler, and there was a bunch, uh, quite a few people that went to church, and they asked me, Every, come to chapel on Wednesday, come to this on Tuesday. I'm like, nope, nope, not doing it. And then I did, but it took them a couple years, uh, and I did. Um, and I said, uh, you haven't won anything, guys. I'm just checking it out. Like, don't, <laughs> yeah, don't don't count this. Yet. Don't put my name on a list or anything. I'm and and um, and then I talked to the pastor's wife. And she asked me the same question, and I said, I don't know. I just want to f- I just want to figure out what I believe because I've been mm. told what to believe my whole life, and I I can't imagine a loving God. Hmm. Yeah, being such an asshole yeah. and sort. It's disrespectful, yeah. no, it's not. but I can't, I can't, I can't believe in a loving God that lets so many terrible things happen if he truly is omnipotent and all these things. And, mm. and so I went back to kind of make sense of the thing I had but spent most of my life avoiding. go to the yeah. right place, clearly. Uh, I went to a place. Because they still had that. I find most view. churches are still like that. Yeah. I've been to a lot of other, mm. you know, uh, other churches in that time and, was the same everywhere um you're accepted if you're doing the right thing but the but you're judged and you're so yeah so we went to this new church the pastor's wife said well are you she said I said I'm coming back to sort of reevaluate what I believe how I feel to check in well are you rebellious (laughs) and and I said I just told you that (laughs) that I'm not sure but I want to figure that out and she said well I just would suggest Hmm. that you come and you pay attention and you submit to yourself uh, just to having an open mind, but she used so the you word. Walk su- back into the same she, kind of yeah, system. Yeah, she Aww. used the word submission, and I hated I it. Say, and well, right away, I was angry. And I was just like, say that that's going to trigger rebellious. something for yes. you. Well, it did, and then yeah. and then I but thought. But you stayed. But I stayed. Well, that's where I met my husband, and then that that's why I stayed longer. And then I had to. It wasn't just myself pulling. Uh, he he was deeply involved he's from the christian dutch reform uh Mm -hmm. did very very black and white very rigid very but when you went back to the church like you never bought it no i was there to say prove it to me kind of thing or or to prove something to myself like maybe i'm wrong and i need to figure it out um i wanted to know who god was uh and i knew that people represent everyone I had known in my life that had a faith <laughs> made God seem like a terrible person to me. Mm. I didn't want to be like them, but I'm like, I find it interesting that you still have that, that pull back to yeah. as opposed to just an outright everyone rejection. asked me that why would you ever go back mm-hmm. and I'm like because I wanted no I, that's very interesting. I'm nerdy me. that way. I like, no, <laughs> I like knowledge. When you and, say it's like when you say kind of, the connection to God or some any, any reference to just God. Just wanted to find that's, out if I wanted to even well, have a faith. And that's back to that mm-hmm. Willet Braun thing that, that there's, I love, so it was, there's three women in this story, grandmother, mother, and daughter. And it's, this is the grandmother speaking about upbringing and stuff, right? I think yep. it's the grandmother. And, yeah, um, I love the grandmother And the heart so of this much. quote that I'll read is that ultimately these religious systems, what they wound up stealing from the people was God. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. That that's and so here she says Please all those willow bronze they robbed us blind they stole our souls they hung out their shingles as soul savers even as they were destroying them they replaced our love our joy our emotions our tragedies rage and she there's a lot of exclamation points love this sorrow message. violence she's lust, so feisty. desire sorry am I embarrassing you Swift she's talking to the to the, her granddaughter. 
Well, they burnt it all down. They took all those things and they replaced them with evil and guilt, which, oh my God, she's got this three separate sentences. They took our life force and so we fight to reclaim it. The book's called Fight Night. We fight and we fight and we fight. We fight to love. We fight for access to our feelings. For For access to our fires. Mm -hmm. We fight for access to God. They stole God from us. All those Willet bronze. God was the furthest thing from their minds, those scavengers. They stole God thieves, from us. Those heretics. Mm-hmm. It's the heart of the book. Yep. It, it, when I was reading the yeah. book, on your recommendation, I got to that passage and could not go on. I actually didn't finish reading the book for a couple of weeks because I kept oh, really? rereading that. Uh, I just, I'm like, I no, just want to stay here. I amazing. have never seen such an accurate, succinct summary of everything I have ever felt. And some of them explained in ways I never could. Well, they took your access to God. Yeah. They took, and I had to... You and have, you were told you didn't have interest in God because if you had an interest in God, you'd, you'd get with this, this program. Yeah. And it's like, actually, but I don't one of the like reasons the I'm pushing away is because if yeah. I have any interest in God, yeah. I can't be here. Yeah. And then I was told I was rebellious and that was the problem with me not connecting this with God. So then I went back to church. check to check myself uh, okay. and uh, sat in church and bit my tongue and eventually got to the point where I couldn't say couldn't anymore. Couldn't say fuck. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't couldn't not say fuck in a church service. I'm like, this is a problem. Um, but but there it, it was it was it was appalling. I did uh, I met my husband there. I uh, we did marriage counseling um, and I the the pastor did not follow the Billy Graham law. He booted my husband out, and he he asked me. Uh, he inquired about my sexuality and asked if there's anything I needed to ask Mike's forgiveness for before no. I married him. I just I literally needed a wheelbarrow to take my jaw off a the floor. Saying, yeah, yeah, and alone, young woman, and tell alone. me about your sex life. Yes, I mean, yes, Todd, that's a very standard thing that you would do in premarital counseling, right? That's uh, that's. <laughs> Can't even imagine you saying. It's kind of funny to think of, actually. So back to that experience. (laughs) You said you did. It was it was horrible. Like just so so awkward, uncomfortable, but also making sure that I had begged for my husband's forgiveness for my sexuality, which is none of his business. And and those and I said that's none of your business. Mike and I are good, Uh, and. You're out of line. Like, you're out of line. So now, after all, (laughs) do you feel... What does it mean to feel free from some of this stuff? Oh, uh... Uh, I see, uh, it's funny, I see, this is the converse, back to the conversation I had with my dad recently, um, everything I was taught about church, that church is supposed to be, loving people and taking care of each other and having grace for each other, I believe to to in every cell of my body today, mm-hmm. that is who I want to be. <clears throat> but I only see that outside of the church. I don't see it unless you get with the program. But the second you question anything, you are shunned. You are, you know, n- my phone stopped ringing. All my good friends who I, you know, walked. This is my, after yeah, when we left the church. church. Yeah, we left. Mm-hmm. Didn't get a lot of phone calls. It's okay. Like, you know, I was okay with Well, I, I mean, that okay can happen just relationally if yeah. you leave a circle. Yeah. But there's something else going on, But then on we too. started getting phone calls from a new pastor saying, we really want you guys back. And I heard you guys were, Ron, I want to apologize and make right what the former pastor did to you. And I, I was super offended. I'm like, no, how did you, you get my number? Yeah. I called the church and said, if you have my number on a list, take it off. I said, 
it makes me very uncomfortable that you're talking about our past relationship with someone else mm. and you're asking to fix it. I said, no, like, leave us alone. So we got, we still get those gentle, we miss you guys. And that's, that's okay. Like I, uh, that's, that's Sometimes okay. Sometimes that just feels like sales. It, like it, it is a hundred, <laughs> it is I trust the intentions behind yeah. the people that are mm. saying it. I, I care right. about choosing to uh, look charitably at things. Hundred yeah. percent sales. Uh, one of my closest friends still. Would you come for something special? No, probably not. Like mm -hmm. no, I'm just not ever. I'm. So I'm that's not. a kind of freedom. Yes. And are you free? Like you feel kind of free emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Yes, from it? it took. So I was really angry when we left because um, the pastor walked by me a couple weeks after we had left the church and I was sitting outside a martial arts class waiting for my two children. He walked by me into a room to practice for a Christmas concert. We went to school in a gym, a community or center. To church in the to school. To church, yeah. sorry. So so he was doing Christmas concert rehearsals. Yeah. I was at the school. And this is someone community. you've known for a long time. Yeah, for a very long time. Um, he walked by, he looked horrified to see me. He walked into the gym and I'm like, oh, I'll catch him on the way out. And just, you know, we've got to deal with this and be friendly and respectful. But he was very, he was, he seemed furious. Anyway, he never came out. Two hours later, I walked in thinking maybe he had a heart attack. Like, yeah. is he okay? He was gone. And what he had done was left the gym through a fire exit. But I, I, I just, seeing that level of cowardice, I was so angry at myself for how did I end up here in Again? this exact, uh, exact same place that oh, I hate. And, and it's my own fault this time, uh, but it's my choice to leave, uh, and yeah. I'm leaving. And it's mm -hmm. also my choice to set boundaries well, with people, and, which and I did. Mike, and, and Mike it took... It, it was, yeah. It wasn't like Mike, no, Heidi, we're uh, well staying or whatever. Yeah, it was. We Mike and I never had a conversation like that. It was more, we would just leave Sunday church, and I'd say, "So, what do you think about this shitty thing that he said?" Like, I I asked a lot of questions of Mike, and he's mm -hmm. like, "So he's ready too." He he was. He, it took a while, so that's why it it took a while. I had to ask him the questions, and he had to think because I didn't want to tell him what well, to think. Yeah, I just said, "What do you?" He's like. Honestly, Heidi, I've never thought about any of this, and nobody's ever asked so many questions uh, in my life. I just do what I'm told, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that, but let's, what about this? Anyway, a few big things made it clear, and I'm like, you do what you need to, Mike, but I'm done, and our kids are not going. Do you think you might be interested in going back to um, <laughs> Thank you for Sorry. asking. That's a hard no. <laughs> and that's okay, Heidi. Thank you so much for, for talking with us. I really, really appreciate it. I know that... Coming from, I think, some level of, of similar experiences and being labeled as a problematic woman at times, um, it, it can be hard to, yeah. to want to, um, to continue standing up for, for what you believe is true or standing against things that you believe are harmful. So yeah. I, I feel like I, I resonate definitely with certain parts of your story. I, I appreciate that. I think part of part of me going back to was deep down inside, maybe I hoped I could have changed it hmm. and made it what it could have been or what I thought it should have been. Not meaning selfishly like everyone has to think mm -hmm. like me, but more a place where my gay friend sitting next to me in church doesn't leave yeah. hating himself every Sunday. It wasn't no. about I want you all to be like me. It was I want 
all of us to be okay no. who we are. Right. And I wasn't able to do Not that. In that place. Uh, I haven't found a church no. that I. Would, well, and why do you have to look? And I'm not, and I don't. Well, I don't. I so yeah. yeah, and then and then if people are thinking of leaving, I just leaving is the scariest part. The mm-hmm. second it's done, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a process and a transition. But as soon as I left and said, "Take uh, like we're no longer members. Please take us off your yeah. out of your directory." There's a while where I was really angry because I realized. Um, well, just all the things I questioned, I was sure on, and I was furious. Partly at myself, yeah. uh, mm. but partly at the system. Yeah. Uh, and then once I got over the anger, life is so good. And living in community in the well, secular world, uh, I see more love and more respect uh, in my community. You know, when someone's sick, someone shows up with soup and hummus and tea and picks your kids up from school and makes you so and there's no judgment you just show up and so yeah so where do you think that that as somebody who I think for incredibly understandable reasons is choosing to not be involved in church life at this point and what what sort of places are you finding hope in you've already talked a bit to it in some of the community that you've experienced and witnesses witnessed um where where are you kind of seeing those those hope or, or do you see hope? I mean, I think I have some some uh, assumptions. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if this answers your question, but um, this is a bit cynical and negative. But uh, I find it really hopeful how exposed the system has become. I'm grateful that it's exposed, and people mm-hmm. who are choosing it are choosing it very clearly. But I'm grateful. Uh, things have to come to a head before change happens. Yeah. And as much as I hate what's happening and fascism, you know, fascism yeah. making a comeback and all these things, it breaks my heart. And my husband, I can barely talk about it with him because he gets so depressed, like so yeah. overwhelmed. Yeah. And I'm like, don't change the way you see it. When things come to a head so like this, yeah. people are fighting. That's the only way change happens. And and trust me, the good the good is is far greater. I think things being exposed and coming to a head, it's uncomfortable and it mm-hmm. definitely worries me. Uh, well, sure. Because you things saw, can well, you saw what Hitler did and the way that he polarized and divided based on people's differences. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But I, 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 I'm more comfortable there's with a, things. Yeah. A, what so you to, guys are doing, give me hope. Well, to <laughs> Working clo- outside to of the institution. Our, to close our conversation, there's actually a... a Canadian philosopher, Catholic background, but wrote an article um, a number of years ago. In a sense, what gives him hope from a faith perspective? And from and, and his answer basically was, I'm hopeful in faith because so many people are walking away from yes, these systems. Yes, yes, that's what I'm... And yes. so that it... that And so in a sense, he, is, he's not moving away from his faith, you know, but what he's saying is, these things needed to, to come apart. So, well, Heidi, thank you so much. Oh, There's so much to me. go here. We'll have to do an episode <laughs> with your dad if you listen to it. But, uh, and yeah, that, it was just fantastic to speak with you. And I know you have way more stories. So I'm going to go find some, <laughs> some pictures of you praying as a little girl. <laughs> and uh, thanks very much. Thanks, thank Allison. you, so, thank you much so much for having me. It was great. Fantastic. Rector's Cupboard releases a new episode every other Friday. The podcast is a production of Reflector Project. Hosts are Todd Weeb and Allison Williams. Cupboard master for tastings and locations is Ken Bell. Production and social media by Amanda Miner. 
For past episodes and other content, visit rectorscupboard.ca. Thanks for listening.